Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Psalm 110, 111, and 112. And uh, Psalm 110 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Uh, This is a really powerful song that David wrote just under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's really speaking about things that you have to wonder if he had any understanding of at all. Um, But to, to, to fully understand it, I think we have to remember that everything about Christianity and what we believe is all about looking behind to the finished work on the cross. We look to Jesus. It is finished. An example of this is, in First Peter, it says, by his stripes you were healed. Past tense. Meaning that the cross in Jesus is the finished work. And now we look back to what Jesus has already accomplished. But before Jesus came, Israel was looking ahead at uh, what would happen. They were looking towards that Jesus would come. And in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, it says, uh, by his stripes, you are healed or you will be healed. You know what I'm saying? So both sides of it are looking. We look back, they looked ahead. By faith, we look back. Though we've not seen Jesus with our own eyes or touched of him physically, we believe that by faith we're made righteous. By faith, they were made righteous because they could not touch and they could not see, but they believed in the coming Messiah. Okay, so it's faith, it's faith either way you either way you look at it. And so, but he's really speaking about something that's probably beyond his comprehension to fully understand, but he, he believed in his heart. And so it says, the Lord says to my Lord, okay? So that, that's, that's a, a prophetic moment of referring to Jesus because how could the Lord say to my Lord except for the fact that the Lord is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? Kind of like how uh, it says in Genesis, we created them in our image, right? It's a plural because there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Lord can say to the Lord, because the Lord is the Father, the Lord is the Son, and the Lord is the Spirit. In Genesis, it also says the Spirit was resting on the waters. So just a little little bit of a deep concept, but this, this entire psalm is very deep, because it says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And we know that that has taken place through Jesus. Now, the enemy is nothing but a footstool 
to Jesus. He has conquered and he has won. And we're not in a, we're not actually in a fight today. We're not in a battle. It's already been won. The, the Satan is a defeated foe. We're already more than conquerors. Okay. But we have to look, but in order to conquer, they looked ahead. But in order to conquer, we look behind. My, my fight's already been won. Jesus has already paid the price. Okay. You know, sometimes it feels like we're, we're, we're competing in a, in a game, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a football game. And that the score is, well, the devil got up on me seven nothing. Well, then I strike back and it was seven seven. And then this happened and that, that's not really how it's working. How it's working is that the game was finished. It was finished over 2000 years ago. And, and the score is Jesus wins and the devil loses. And really all I'm doing is pointing to that, <laughs> you know, because it's already won. It's already finished. Jesus says it is finished. Okay, all I'm doing, the battle now is a spiritual warfare, which is me keeping my soul completely wrapped around the fact that the war is won and not buying into the lies of the enemy that says that I still have something to prove or that I've still, uh, or that I'm going to lose or that, uh, you know, j- just the mental warfare that is now spiritual, uh, trying to convince us to not follow Jesus and not to, uh, use our lives to building of his kingdom, right? But it's a, it's a head game. It's, it's an alternative reality because the truth of it is, is that the war is won. And so that, that, that has happened. Uh, Jesus's feet are propped up on the devil's head right now. If you know what I'm saying, it's a footstool. And so, uh, and it doesn't hurt just to remind him of that sometimes. Okay. I don't mean remind Jesus of it. I mean, remind the devil of it. Hey devil, remember how Jesus defeated you on the cross that's a real powerful tactic in spiritual warfare because sometimes the devil gets so in your mind thinking that that you're on the ropes and you just need to pop back off of those ropes and go actually i'm not on the ropes matter of fact my jesus's feet are on your head okay uh it says that it says that in genesis again right he says gonna crush the head of the serpent well <laughs> glory to god he has done it jesus has done it and so and so it says uh uh the Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. And that's because he's made us holy. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way before. Therefore, he will lift up his head. And so just uh, just a reminder of how he'll reign in victory. And Jesus has reigned in victory and he is reigning in victory. In verse four, it says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. To uh, understand Melchizedek, He's kind of a mysterious biblical character. You have to read through the pa- the passage that deals with Abraham meeting Melchizedek. We don't have any real uh, lineage regarding Melchizedek. He's a kind of a mysterious character that pops up in the book of Genesis, but he honors Abraham and he blesses Abraham. And it says he's the king of Salem, which was Jerusalem. And Salem means peace. Okay, this is deep. So he, Abraham meets a mysterious character that can really only be known as the king of peace, okay? Yet, he's also a priest. So he's a priest and he's a king. And so this is an interesting combo. But the book of Hebrews uh, speaks at length 
about the, uh, I guess, prophetic connotation of Melchizedek in the Old Testament and how it was a depiction uh, uh, to look to help us to look ahead and fully understand Jesus, who is the who King of Peace, Prince of Peace, and he is a king and a priest, meaning he rules. Okay, he reigns as a king, but he also offered sacrifice to atone for our sins as a priest. Okay, so deep concept, something that takes a little bit of independent study, but uh, to for David to have have written these words and and drawn uh, the uh, correlation between Melchizedek and uh, the Lord that would come and sit at the right hand of his Lord. This is just powerfully inspired by the Holy Spirit, clearly. And this would have been 2,000 years before Jesus had even come. And so just powerful. Uh, Psalm 111 says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in, in them. You know, and there is power to getting around godly people and praising the Lord and giving thanks to the Lord with your whole heart. You know, there's a power in individual, private prayer, intercession, and praise. And then there's a power to getting around a, a group of people and uh, letting your faith encourage their faith and their faith encourage your faith and to be able to praise uh, alongside one another. You know, it kind of reminds me of how Paul, when he's correcting the church at Corinth, he was saying, you know, when you're praising God, you you know, uh, uh, he says, do it, do it, don't always do it in, in tongues. And I'm not going to go through a whole spiritual explanation of the gift of tongues right now, but I'm just saying in this instance, he wrote to them and saying, you know, you ought to praise the Lord in the spirit and in, in tongues, but also you should do it in the natural with your own voice. And the reason being is, he said, how can someone join in with you if you're speaking only in an angelic language and not in your natural language? Meaning there's a power to when we come together and we praise God and that it's contagious. And if I start to sing a song, you know, great are you, Lord, great are you, Lord, then then someone else, it's contagious and someone else can sing it. And, and so he's saying, but when, so when you come, don't always just sing in the spirit. Now he goes on to say, don't forbid tongues. And he says, what do I do? I sing in the spirit and I sing with understanding. I do it all is what Paul said. That was the, the place that he arrived at with it. But, but the instance there, was was to basically to put emphasis on there's a power to when we get together and we praise together in unison to one song in the same language. And so he says, I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord. And so it says, studied by all who delight in them. And we should be, we should be uh, students of the word. You know, there's depending on what denominational background you come from, you know, there's certain verses that different denominations really cling to. And, and one of them that I remember hearing a lot growing up was study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And there's some denominations that are really big into trying to create biblical scholars and students of the word. And um, sometimes that results in hypocritical Pharisees that that know a lot about God yet don't truly know God. But at the same time, there's that shouldn't uh, 
steer us away from being students because the truth of it is is that we are to study to show ourselves approved we are to be able to rightly divide the word word of truth but we're not to to grow uh past a place of being simply at our knees at jesus's feet learning from him as his students and then because what happens is that we then we get filled with pomp and we become uh pharisaic and hypocritical the the thing about it is is, is it says we're to always study to show ourselves approved. So even if you're 90 years old, it's not that you've now become the master. You should still be a student. So th- that's kind of the remedy for, you know, you know, because I believe we are to become, you know, scholars and theologians and, and students, but we're never to grow past that place of humility and being before the Lord and continuing to want to learn. Because the more I know about him, the more I love about him, and the more I have to share about him when I'm in the congregation of the upright. And so it says, full of splendor and majesty in his work. And, uh, you know, it goes through and it just talks about the works of his hands are faithful and just. All of his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. Uh, he sent redemption to his people. He's ho- holy and awesome is his name. And then at the end, he ends with... Uh, a verse we're fairly familiar with. It's repeated a few times in Scripture. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And that's a powerful verse because really there's no um, acquiring of wisdom. And wisdom is to know what to do and where to go and how to get there and what to say when I arrive at that place. And, you know, it's deep direction. Okay, uh, regarding minute by minute stuff, day by day stuff, week by week stuff, uh, and then entire courses of your life. All of these things can be defined as wisdom. Okay, uh, how to direct someone else and what they should be doing, how to steer people, um, you know, how to be a counselor. All of these things require wisdom. And uh, the Bible does give us the promise, if you lack wisdom, that you can ask for wisdom, and he will give it to you liberally. He will generously pour out wisdom, okay? And so, but the beginning place, the foundational place of acquiring any sort of wisdom is to have a reverent fear of God. And what that means is that I submit myself to him. I can't learn to whom I'm not yet submitted to, okay? Does that make sense? That, that That's why it's the beginning place of wisdom, because I can't learn until I've acknowledged that you are far greater than anything that I could ever imagine, and that and that your ways are higher than mine, and then now I'm going to totally submit to you, and whatever you say, I'm going to believe it as 100% truth. I'm not going to wrestle with you. I'm not, you know, that's why a lot of people don't have wisdom, is because they've not submitted that God is greater and stronger and more powerful than they will ever be, and so they don't uh, open his word and take it as 100% truth. They're still wrestling over every little passage. You know, well, is homosexuality really a sin? Well, the word of God says it is, so it is. That's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There are churches, even entire denominations that are still struggling over these basic things. And what they really lack is just fear of the Lord. Okay, I'm not afraid of the world. I'm afraid of the Lord. But if you're afraid of, if you're not afraid of the Lord, then you'd be afraid of the world. And so you'll do anything to get their approval because you're not fearful enough that you would ever have the Lord's disapproval. But when I really am seeking his approval alone, then I, I, I'm not tossed and thrown around by some of these, uh, you know, trivial matters because I know what the word of God says. 
You know, I know that it's that it's you know it's an abomination to be homosexual. I know that it's not God's plan for anyone's life to be sexually promiscuous. It's not God's plan for anyone's life to be an adulterer. It's not God's plan for anyone's life, you know, to to be a murderer or you know to to be a liar or to be. Now I don't. It's not, it doesn't mean that we're gonna we don't love them and and want to see them grow, but that that's a place where you can't arrive at wisdom till you have fear of the Lord. I'm just giving that as an example. I've just really talked about everything taboo today, haven't I? We went from speaking in tongues to homosexuality in like three minutes. <laughs> You're welcome for the whiplash, you know, and I'm just, I'm not really getting into these things. I'm just using them as, as instances. If I get, if we stick around a little bit long enough, I can talk about abortion and politics too, right? But we're, we're running out of time today. But what I'm, my whole point of it is though, is when I have fear of the Lord, you know, it, it, to me, I keep getting this image in my head. So I'll just, I'll just put it in words. I keep getting my this image in my head of almost kind of like a Karate Kid, you know, kind of a situation. You know, you know, Miyagi is this little old man, this little Asian old man that you know he really doesn't look like he could do a whole lot, right? You know, but I feel like you know Danielson, you know, he just immediately he really didn't have a lot of respect for him, you know, and all the things that, that uh, he was asking him to do, they just seemed minuscule and he really didn't understand it. And so he really didn't do it, it, it to the best of his ability. And he had a lot of attitude and he's a lot like we are as students of the Lord. Sometimes we just, you know, we just kind of gripe and whine and get through it, you know, but there's a turning point. I feel like, you know, to the student, to the master that, that, that first time that, that Danielson saw uh, what Mr. Miyagi could really do, right? Because Mr. Miyagi was pretty, pretty bad. He was a pretty bad dude, uh, okay? And, and so once he saw what uh, his master was really capable of, okay, there was a reverent fear that came upon him. Uh, not that he was afraid that Miyagi was ever going to turn on him and put a whooping on him, but it's a fear of like, wow, you're greater than I am, and now I'm going to listen to everything that you have to say. And that is the place that we have to get to with the Lord. Wow, God, you are so much greater than I am, and I am not going to challenge you or question you anymore. If your word says it, then I believe it. If your word says you heal, then you heal. That's it. That's how you get wisdom. <laughs> you know, your word, your word says that you'll do it, and you'll deliver me through this, then you'll do it. I believe it. You said it. That settles it. You know, but there's no wisdom until we arrive at that place. Otherwise, we're still wrestling over every little minuscule detail. And we want to know the why for everything. Well, why do I have to do that? Well, why do I have to fast? Why do I, you know, is me fasting going to, you know, uh, make it happen? You know, and, and it's like, wait a second. No, no, no. The word says that certain things can't be done except through prayer and fasting. And I have reverent fear of the Lord and I submit to him and I'm feeling the spirit lead me into a fast. So I'm going to fast. I don't need any other answers. Do you understand? So you see how that's the start of wisdom. And I got incredibly carried away and haven't really talked too much about Psalm 112, which I just love. But it starts off with the same way. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Once I fear him, then I don't take his commandments as burdensome. I take them as wisdom. Okay, so it's no longer a drag for me to read through the word of God. And it's no longer like, oh, I've got to do this and oh, I've got to do that. It's I want to do this. I want to do that because I have a reverent fear of God. And then here's some amazing promises of what happens once I have this fear of God. Once I have this submission to God, it says that 
there are offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Why? Because if I have that reverent fear of God, then I become a parent that raises my children to have this fear of the Lord. And I raise them in the way that he's raised me, gently and in love and in kindness and in patience and in wisdom. Then it says, wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever because God's hand is upon him and he's blessing us in our affairs and what we're doing. And then it says that it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. If I have a fear of the Lord, then I become a giver as the Lord is a giver. I don't try to keep everything to myself, but I share it with others. And then it says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. So nothing shakes the righteous man that's submitted before, before the Lord, who's rejoicing and a student at the feet of the Lord all the time. And this is my favorite verse, actually, that we read all day today. It says, he is not afraid of bad news. Somebody needs to get that one tattooed in between their eyes just so you can see it and read it. You got to get it tattooed backwards on your forehead so that when you stare at the mirror in the morning, you could read it correctly, right? It says, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. How often do you just fear bad news sometimes, right? Somebody says, hey, I want to talk to you today at two o'clock. Oh, goodness gracious, right? You know, your phone call rings. It's an unexpected number. Your heart beats, you know, you, you, you just, you know, all these things, sometimes we just fear bad news. But if I have a fear of the Lord, I know the Lord's going to take care of me, so I'm not a worrisome person anymore. And then it says, um, we look in triumph on our adversaries. We distribute freely. We give to the poor. And, and so just an incredible psalm of 112, uh, well, not 112, but 112 is. And um, I would just encourage, as we're leaving today and well beyond out of time, but just to meditate on Psalm 112 and ultimately to get to the place where you know that you know that you have a fear of the Lord. Because once you arrive at that place and you remain at that place, then wisdom will follow and your life will change.